Philip Stodham. Welcome to our new show, EMS and The Economist. Each month, we're going to be talking to an economist. One of our three um, economists on the team is Sean Dubravec, who is the chief economist of IPC, among other roles. Sean, good to talk to you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Good to see you. Good to see you. I guess everybody's been asking you over the weekend what's been happening with Silicon Valley Bank and what does that mean to the tech sector and the EMS and the manufacturing industry. Uh, what are you? What have you been telling them? Uh, certainly, Silicon Valley Bank and and its uh, you know moves there last week have been the the big news. Um, it, it was a very large bank, 16th largest in, in the country. So definitely a, a, a big bank. Um, mm. It's, you know, we we haven't seen a bank closed for a couple of years now. And and for the most part, those were small. So this is the, the biggest yeah. bank that we've seen close since the financial crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I suppose, you know, the, the good news is there that we saw a lot of banks closed during the financial crisis. So we had a we had a playbook. Uh, you know, headed into the weekend, I expected the FDIC and and the Fed and Treasury to all work together over the weekend to to make sure that there was good clarity by Sunday evening. Um, we we've kind of seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank is interesting because so many people see the exposure to Silicon Valley and to tech mm-hmm. companies, and so there was a lot of concern that there would be. Uh, really strong contagion within the innovation sectors of the economy. But uh, it, it looks like depositors will be made whole and, and have mm. access to all, all of their uh, account information and their account holdings. So payrolls will be met and and uh, it should slow any, um, you know, any run on any other banks. But when there is uncertainty or when there when there is fear in the market, then at times market participants will act irrationally. So that yeah. you know that could still be the fallout here. We might see some irrational moves, uh, you know, moving forward. But but yeah. it it should settle, and and the impact, the broader, wider impact, should be relatively muted. Not not to suggest that there won't be some things that. Ha- that we some fallout that we see, but it, it should be relatively muted because of the the moves over the weekend. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think Thursday, Friday, I was seeing um, some comments about whether some Silicon Valley companies would be able to meet payroll this week um, because of access to funds, and if that's been shored up, that'll make a lot of difference. Obviously, there's concern for contagion elsewhere, and I think it is the second biggest bank ever to fail. The largest was obviously um, in the financial crisis in 08. So yeah, some some impact there. But um, it, it's kind of curious. We seem to be constantly getting mis- mixed signals from, from, from the economy, but particularly from Silicon Valley. We had these large numbers of redundancies and, you know, Metro talked about this year being the year of efficiency and maybe another round of um, uh, of redundancies coming along, but we so, see that on the back of huge growth in employment last year and the growth in um, jobs added in the general economy in February. How do you how do you view those mixed signals around around employment as opposed to the economy? Uh, we're definitely getting mixed signals, and and we're in a transition period. We're moving to a s- slower period of growth. Uh, and much of that is being orchestrated by the Federal Reserve, which is tightening financial conditions. And, you know, and so we have some 
some weird things that happen as part of that transition. It's not an even transition. Uh, here in the U.S., you know, manufacturing saw the first decline in job growth in February that mm-hmm. it, that it had seen since April of 2021. So we we've been adding manufacturing jobs. We've been adding jobs in um, uh, in electronics manufacturing. That despite the concern that the economy was slowing, the labor market looks very strong. And uh, prior to everything that happened with Silicon Valley Bank, my expectation was that the Fed would would remain diligent in their efforts to bring down inflation. And and obviously, some of that you know inflation is going to be driven by strong job growth by workers demanding higher salaries because there's a tight labor market. So you're looking to slow the growth in the labor market a little bit, and you can do that by slowing the growth in in the broader economy. Um, Mm. At at the same time, we are, despite this slowdown, I mentioned, you know, slowdown in manufacturing jobs in, in February, we're at really good levels. We're at levels that we haven't seen in, in decades in some cases. Mm. Uh, yeah. And that's true across number of manufacturing sectors. So if you look at uh, electronics, for example, we're we're getting back to where we were during the financial crisis. We've regained the jobs that we lost over the last decade, and those job losses came on the back of you know pretty significant declines in 2001 when we hit mm-hmm. a recession, and 2007 and eight when we hit a recession. So this is the the first recession in a very long time that we added uh, that we added workers. Now we're not fully through this recession. We probably haven't made it all the way through what will be a transitionary period. So we'll see where manufacturers uh, net out, but. You know, we're seeing a pretty strong underlying economy, and and you even see it in in my forecast. You see it in other uh, forecasts from economists that we keep anticipating this period of slow growth, but we keep mm. pushing it out just a little bit further. Yeah, uh, for forecasts for whether it's Europe, U.S., China. Uh, we've we've seen you know economic forecasts improve somewhat mm. for this year, not not great improvement, but you have added you know a few tenths of percent of growth to to this year uh, in Europe and the U.S. And so things are are looking a little better, despite the fact that we know we were in this this period of slowing growth. Yeah, it's curious, isn't it? I mean, the Fed seemed to be quite resilient and quite determined in terms of. Rate hikes, we're seeing other places around the world follow suit in that. So those are those are pushing in that direction. I um, spoke at a conference last week in Munich, and I think the underlying thought there was that most EMSs felt they were going to have some low single-digit growth this year. They weren't expecting to um, their whole their overall market to shrink. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's very confusing. And again, on the on the salary side, there's definitely pressure on on salaries to increase, and we've seen um, specifically in Mexico, for example, a big hike in the in the minimum wage, and that's certainly filtering through the um, electronics industry. And there's there's you know there's definitely a talent shortage there, and there's a risk that that could slow down some of the reshoring that we've been talking about for some. Yeah, well, and I think to me it's interesting that. 
when you talk to the EMS companies, they're still expecting growth this year. Mm. It, given the environment, that's a pretty optimistic uh, perspective. And, and you know, I, I worry at times that there could be some some downside risk to those expectations. I think what buoys my my hopes for the EMS industry in 2023 is that the sectors that are doing quite well are, are sectors that we service quite well. Aerospace, mm-hmm. defense, uh, you know, even, even automotive is coming back. So we should see growth relative to, to 2022. Um, historically, at least in the US, the auto sector won't be as strong as it has been in the past. We're not back to 2019 levels, but um, we'll, we'll see growth from, you know, from 2022 levels. So all of those uh, sectors that, that continue to do well should help buoy the EMS yeah. industry. But, you know, we, we do see slowing demand for durable goods. We do see mm. sl- slowing demand for the goods economy overall. And, and that, uh, you know, it is a headwind certainly for the EMS industry. So, uh, yeah, I think what's curious there is a lot of that, um, Consumer electronics, if you like, is not the mainstay of most of the yep. U.S. and European EMS companies. It's it's many of that six out of the top ten um, companies that are headquartered in Taiwan are dominant in that sector. So <laughs> perhaps it's there that that it's it's going to have the most impact. What I'm really interested in from a EMS point of view, particularly as we look at this regular regular communication with economists and the relationship to the EMS is. What do you think are the key indicators they should be looking at on a regular basis as they look to, you know, that they look to plan their business? Obviously, interest rates are important to them. Uh, that's having a big cash impact. When I look at their internal KPIs, I really encourage everybody to think very much about the amount of inventory they've got and the work in progress and how they can shift the huge amount of cash that's been sucked into that area back out. But what do you see as their their important economic KPIs. Yeah, and I think we can kind of break it into two buckets. I think we can look at the the economic variables. I think we can yeah. also look at the industry variables. Obviously, IPC publishes a host of of industry related variables that that I think are are pretty important for EMS in uh, companies to look at on a monthly basis. So we publish book to bill figures, mm. and and obviously, I think those are good to just benchmark against your own book to bill numbers and see what the broader industry is doing. Uh, For North America, the EMS uh, book to bill still looks quite strong. So order flow still Mm. looks pretty good. Um, When you look at PCB, we are starting to see that slow. So we're starting to see that, you know, at at one or slightly below. So order flow is, is slowing. At the same time, all of this is happening, obviously, some of the transition in the electronics industry was that we were able to get shipments out a little bit yeah. better. And so that also helped improve the, the book to bill. Uh, every month, IPC publishes a, a sentiment report, which I think is a great view on, on what your peers are thinking and, mm-hmm. and how they're seeing the world. Um, and it gives you a read on optimism within the industry. And so that's just another tool to to kind of gut check your own expectations. Am, am I being overly optimistic? Am I am mm. being overly bearish? I can give you a feel. And certainly we can identify turning points 
in that. So I think that's a you know another great industry report. Mm. On on the economic front, uh, you mentioned some of the you know the financial variables. I think those are those are important. It, it's key that EMS companies have a good working relationship with their financial institution, uh, given everything that transpired at the end of last week, and also importantly how quickly it transpired over mm. you know really about forty eight hours. Obviously, it had been building, but it is it is worth just having a conversation with you your bank many companies are going to have that conversation with their bank especially if you're working with a regional bank and just mm. you know doing a little bit of of due diligence now i don't think depositors are the ones who are going to really hold their banks accountable it will be stockholders and bondholders and and others but you know to, using those as a metric is your regional bank that you might be running payroll through and that you may be running cash receivables and, and cash payables through just check on their on their well-being if the stock mm. is down significantly today then that's the market telling you that they might not be as uh, as viable as you had hoped mm. and it might be worth developing a relationship with another bank um maybe a, a big national bank or maybe just another you know, another strong regional yeah. bank in, in your area. So certainly let the market tell you the the viability of your bank, just because you don't want, you know, even if the FDIC uh, insures your account, presuming mm. you're, you know, you're holding under 250 grand in uh, an account. And there are, all, there are also tools that will help manage that to make sure that you are, you know, sweeping cash into a variety of accounts and, and spreading that out. So it's all FDIC insured. Yeah. You just don't want to deal with the technical headache of, of having to, you know, receive or make payments yeah. like payroll. So, you know, checking on that um, in the real economy, outside of the financial economy, I think it's things like durable goods, especially looking at uh, the, the sectors that, you know, that I'd already, already mentioned if it's a sector yeah. that you have strong exposure to aerospace defense then then I would certainly be looking at the broader indicators for for those sectors yeah what about internal indicators i you know i mentioned kpis like like how much cash cash you've got tied up in um, in work in progress and inventory and i think inventory overhang um at a time like this where where stock has been bought at very high prices is a concern. What do you think about having those internal indicators, uh, internal KPIs that you should really be perhaps a little bit more laser focused on this year than you were on last year when inventories were building up? Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of dashboards that, and every mm. company has their dashboard with their key variables that they're watching. You know, maybe they've got a, a financial dashboard, they've got a uh, production dashboard. They've got an economic dashboard, so they're they're going through these on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not daily, mm. but certainly, uh, you know, keeping an eye on them on a weekly basis. So when you think about inventory in this environment, I I do think um, that the inventory shortages that we saw in 2022 and and 2021 are. Uh, not over yet, but we are, you know, quickly working towards the end of that. Mm. And, and with slower demand, you, you will want to carry lower inventory, you're gonna, uh, 
you know, have to hold that inventory over a longer period of time if you're facing slower demand. And so I, I do think that you are going to see companies broadly within our industry and with other industries uh, slow their their inventory and, and you know, and in other cases kind of a, accumulate inventory back. There's, there's sectors of the economy that still have very low inventories. One example is automotive. Uh, that you know broadly that sector is, is under inventoried it will build it back it probably won't get yeah. back to 2019 levels it, you know normally in kind of pre-pandemic levels we were holding about two and a half months of of uh, new vehicles in inventory relative to sales mm. uh, we're, we're down to about a half a month right now I obviously wow. I think it we come up from there but I don't think we get back to that that two and a half Month. So, you know, inventory to sales ratios, look at where you were in 2019, look at where you were mm. in 2021. Uh, chances are you're probably going to find something, you know, in, in between there, lower than you were in 2019, but but higher certainly than you were last year. Um, and then, you know, just be, be cautious. And I think it's worth making sure that you're able to get the inventory that you need. One of the reasons we had companies wanting to hold on to some of this inventory was because it was hard to come by. Yeah. And, uh, now that it's getting easier to come by, there's, there's less reason for you to have financial resources locked up in that inventory. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it, Sean? It's that swing of the pendulum from just in case to just in time that we've seen substantially uh, move over the, over the last couple of years. And it's finding that point that we're, we're now comfortable at, and it's not just, the EMS that has to consider that it's the it's the ODM and looking at you know maybe having some inventory consigned at the EMS that you actually take ownership of that gives you that um, that additional security if you're in an industry where you need to maintain critical shipments but you're not sure how how smooth the stuff coming in the other side is going to be. Sean, we're going to be talking every three months as part of this series. You're one of my one of my three. Uh, uh, team of economists. I'm excited to be doing that. So, what, what, you know, if you were asked to give your predictions for uh, between now and when we speak again in three months, where do you see the the major shifts in the economy? I know it's a, a tough crystal ball question, but uh, I'll be watching it back and, and checking it out in three months' time. Yeah. So, I think we expect uh, an orderly decline and a, and a slow, you know, a broad slowdown that will be felt in, uh, you know, different parts of your business, then, you know, highlighted with these just massive sparks of uncertainty. Uh, Silicon Bank is an example, but it isn't the only example and it isn't the only one. And it will happen in different ways. And this is what tends to happen during downturns is that you have these uh, you know, you have these environments that are um, not well managed, or you know, you know, at at risk of failure. But but a good economy kind of covers that up, and then yeah. in a bad economy, those weaknesses and and those danger areas are really exposed, right? And so so we're going to have this orderly slowdown. I think we're going to just kind of have the, this grinding economic data over the next couple of months. We're we're in this period where we think growth is going to be slow in the, in the first half. So uh, we're, we're expecting GDP to be negative these first two quarters. 
you know, we're expecting to see kind of this continuous slow decline. We expect uh, unemployment gains to uh, to slow down from from where they are. The last uh, the, the first couple of months have, were pretty good. We expect to see you know things slow down um, from there. And uh, but then we're going to have these sparks that are going to yeah. shock us. So I, yeah. I, you have to expect those, but you don't know where to expect them, right? That's yeah, uncertain. Yeah, I think that uncertainty is really interesting. And you know, I've talked a lot in the last eighteen months about design for disruption, not just in terms of product, but in terms of your business and your business strategy. Yeah. And I think one um, one economist put it really simply is that if you list the top 10 disruptions, there's going to be one outside of that in the next quarter that we just didn't expect. And we've got to be, we've got to be ready for the ones we expect, but we've got to be ready for these, these outliers. And, you know, Silicon Valley bank was one of those and, uh, and who knows what the next one will be, but. And and they end up being adjacent to you, right? They may not Mm -hmm. even directly impact you, but this is, this is the contagion that happens naturally in a downturn and in it and in a recession is that, that there's some spark, it ignites a fire, you know, there's an explosion next to you, you think you're isolated, you think you're not impacted. And then, uh, and then you find out, oh, I I am impacted by that. And we're impacted by it indirectly. And so, uh, yeah. It, it will be these just sudden bursts of uh, of uncertainty that will make your customers uneasy, will make you uneasy. And then, you know, part of it is going to be a runaround. Something hmm. will happen and then you have to go figure out, do we have exposure to this? How impactful is this to our business? Are our customers feeling this? So, you know, those are all the questions to ask when you see these unexpected surprises mm. is well, first and foremost, what's our exposure, but then yeah. quickly a second is how are our customers dealing with this? How are they yeah. going to be impacted by this? Yeah. And suppliers and everybody else yes. in the supply chain. Sean, what I would say is thank you so much for providing that prompt and regular data. It's it's more valuable now than it's ever been. As you said, I think these things are uh, exposed much more in a in a in a softening market than they are when um, when the market's ramping up. So I think it's even more important that people watch them. Thanks so much for your time, and look forward to chatting again in a few months' time. I can't wait. Thank you.